I can invite you to remain standing for our scripture reading, which comes this morning from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. It reads, During the rule of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was a descendant of Aaron. They were both righteous before God, blameless in their observance of all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to become pregnant and they both were very old. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. I want to begin by thanking everyone for uh, playing along and wearing your fun and festive. You all have, uh, there's a lot of fun and festive from our reindeer antlers that Sean's wearing to great sweaters and everything else. And so thank you all for participating, those of you that did. And also for as we just celebrate today, I think it's appropriate because this is the Sunday of joy where we light the, the candle of joy on the Advent candle and the Advent wreath. And so this morning we're going to be continuing and talking about uh, the different traditional themes from each Sunday in the, the season of Advent and remembering and seeing how they help us to discover or rediscover the meaning of Christmas. So this morning we're going to be looking at, at how we might find joy during this season as we prepare together for the coming celebration of the birth of Jesus. Advent is a unique time in the life of the church. During this season, we actively engage in expectation for what God is going to do when God returns as is promised. But we also do this while looking back and celebrating and remembering the acts of God in the way that He came in the person of Jesus Christ. And so we look back while we move forward. We alertly look ahead to his second coming while remembering what he has already done. And so in Advent, we wait in a hope-filled way as we expect God to act. And so each week, we focus on a different attribute of God that's represented in our Advent wreath, whether it's uh, the candle of hope or of peace or of joy or of love. And in Jesus. Because in these traits, we are all remembered or reminded of the ways that we can rediscover the meaning of Christmas today and every day. And because God is with us, we can discover joy and experience joy, no matter what we might be going through. So this morning's scripture reading, we're reading from the Gospel of Luke, and there's a lot that's going on, and it doesn't necessarily begin with joy, does it? Luke chapter 1 is a passage of the Bible that really is not joy-filled in the first, oh, I don't know, half of it as you read it, but it leads to joy. And so in each gospel story, we're reminded that the Christmas story is presented a little different way. Luke's way is, is presents it in a very uh, specific and orderly way. Matthew's gospel is a little different. John talks about a much larger picture. And, and Mark really skips the, the birth story of Jesus altogether and just starts with, with Jesus coming out of the wilderness and John the Baptist and on he goes. But Luke's gospel, Luke's gospel begins not with the birth of Jesus, but with the birth of someone else who's John the Baptist. In fact, Luke spends time setting the stage for Jesus' birth by sharing with us a different couple. And so in Luke chapter 1, verse 5, we read, There was a couple, a man named Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. And in the short amount of verses that, that Luke tells us that we've just read this morning, Luke gives us a couple of things. 
He's setting the stage. He's giving us some facts so that we might, might be able to anchor Jesus' birth in the time of history and where it is at. And so Luke first tells us that Herod is king, and Herod was a Jewish king. He was not recognized by many in Israel as actually being truly Jewish. In fact, what they said is he was half Jewish because he was Idumean, which means he came from the region south of Judea, which had been a, become, they had converted to Judaism relatively recently. And so there were those that said, while Herod is Jewish, he's not really Jewish. But we know that Herod remained in his position because of his loyalty to Rome and the way that he supported Caesar. Second, Luke shares us some more specific details. He tells us who Zechariah and Elizabeth are. So they're both, both of priestly lineage. So that means both of them are descendants from priests that were set aside in the book of Exodus when the 12 tribes of Israel left the, the land of Egypt and God gave them all roles. He also tells us that Elizabeth is a descendant of Aaron. So Aaron is Moses' brother. Aaron is the first high priest in Israel or of, of, Israel, you know, of, of heritage, of Hebrew, um, Jewish worship. So we learn that they're both godly people or that's what Luke's trying to have us see. But Luke tells us that it's more than just their lineage that makes them important because what does he say? He says they are righteous in the eyes of God. Which means that they followed the Lord's commands. It means that they live blamelessly. It means that they live faithfully. And finally, we learn that they are older and they have been unable to have ch children. This all changes when Zechariah goes by lot into the holiest part of the temple to offer sacrifice to God. There the angel Gabriel meets him and tells him his wife would have a son. And I think sometimes we gloss over this part of the story because really we're, we're in a hurry to get to Jesus, but also we're very familiar with him, aren't we? But Zechariah was overwhelmed, understandably. And he wondered, how could this be? And Gabriel told him, you will not be able to speak until your son is born. His name will be John. And Zechariah came out of the temple and he wasn't able to speak. Elizabeth, when she was told this news, she believed a little quicker. She didn't say, how could this be? But she says that when it happened, she said, the Lord has done this for me. And see, Luke uses this story to set the stage for the next story that's to come. It was a similar story that was unfolding in the, the, the town of Galilee, a distance away. This story did not involve a woman who had been unable to conceive, but involved a young woman who was promised to be married. And about the time that Elizabeth was six months pregnant, Gabriel appears to Mary and tells her what? That you will be with child and the child that is born to you will be the son of God. And, you know, all, all of the things that we read about and we'll read about in the coming weeks with the birth of Jesus. In short, Gabriel delivered Mary the most miraculous pregnancy announcement in history. It didn't take blue or pink chalk thrown into the air as balloons were popped. It was Gabriel, wasn't it? But it was also an announcement that was going to be doubted and questioned, an announcement that would likely lead to ridicule. Luke even writes to us that Joseph, her husband, decided in his heart to quietly divorce her and let her go on her way, and he would go on his own until the angel spoke to him in a dream. And so Mary sets out to see Elizabeth, her cousin, and this is where we read about joy. See, all the rest of this isn't joy-filled, is it? Not yet, at least. 
And so joy bursts out between these two mothers-to-be. Luke writes that, that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. With a loud voice, she blurted out, God has blessed you above all women. This is to Mary, and he has blessed the child you carry. Why do I have this honor that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Happy is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill the promises made to her. And so Elizabeth's joy is in Mary's coming and in what she's experiencing. And her joy is contagious. And the scripture tells us Mary's own words of joy in a song that we refer to as the Magnificat. Because there's joy. And there's a few things that I think we can take away from the scripture this morning. The first, I think, is that it's okay to be happy and have joy. It's good for us to be happy and have joy. I don't know about you, but I get tired of the joyless things that we fill our lives with, don't you? Because there is so much that we do that potentially doesn't add to our joy. And this overflows not just into our daily lives, but also into the, the idea of what it means to, to be a Christian in contemporary Christianity and the idea that, that happiness and joy are different. Sometimes we, we categorize happiness and we say, well, that's just a short-term experience that goes away. But joy is this, this something that is received as a spiritual gift or something when, when we grow in our faith. And I'm going to tell you, God wants us to have joy and God gives us joy as a spiritual gift. But joy can also be short-lived. We can experience joy and it can go away and that's fine. I think part of the reason we, we've uh, compartmentalized these two things is because we read the words of Paul in Galatians chapter 5. What does Paul say in Galatians 5? He says the fruits of the Spirit are these, and he begins to list different attributes that you and I have or ways we can, we can experience God. And one of those things that he lists is joy, isn't it? And so I think we take Paul's words and we tend to, to place a greater importance on joy than what it means for us to be happy. Or we try and separate them when really biblically the words are the same thing. So if you're experiencing joy, if you're experiencing happiness, in the Greek, that's the same word. And so you don't have to be appropriately spiritually mature or appropriately spiritual to experience joy. Joy is something we can find and joy is something that we should embrace during the season of Advent and in Christmas. But sometimes we have to be intentional about finding it, don't we? Sometimes that means we have to be aware for it or we have to pause during an event or, or some other time and think about what is feeding us or is helping us to feel joy. Because, folks, God doesn't want us to be joyless. God has placed a desire within us for us to want to feel joy, for us to want to feel happiness, for us to want to share in the good things that he has given us with the most ultimate, you know, the ultimately the best thing he has given us is his son Jesus. We should feel joy in that. Because it's part of God's plan and God's purpose in sending Jesus, who is the source of our joy, it's our purpose to reflect that joy into the world. And so we can't be the people of faith, the Christians, that do not reflect the joy of Christ into the world. 
Now, I'm not saying you have to be joyful and on, you know, level 11 out of 10 all of the time. Because quite honestly, that'd be exhausting, wouldn't it? But I can say that Jesus is the source of our joy and part of what God has designed us to be as followers of him, as humans, is to be people that seek joy, one, and two, people that reflect the joy of God as we experience it in Jesus into the lives of other people. So it makes sense that Paul says that one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. It's just sometimes we have to be intentional about it or not take it for granted or not overlook it when we don't feel like we're at some appropriate level to receive it or to practice it. All right, the second thing in our scriptures is you can read in the book of Nehemiah where the Bible tells us that joy can be our strength. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8, verse 10, it says, Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Or so Nehemiah, in his story, he's telling the people of Jerusalem to celebrate and to share in their joy with one another. Just a quick reminder, the people of Israel have been um, sent to Babylon as part of their, their uh, destruction by the, the countries of Assyria and then later Babylon. They have been spread out and uh, Nehemiah has had a vision from God and in prayer has seen that the walls of Jerusalem are down and he is an advisor of the Babylonian king and he goes to the Babylonian king and asks permission to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls in the temple and the king gives him the authority to do that. And so Nehemiah has left led people from Babylon, Jewish people, back to the city of Jerusalem. And so they've begun restoring the walls, they've begun restoring the temple, and Nehemiah has told them that they can have joy, to celebrate with one another, to celebrate what is happening, to celebrate the spiritual reawakening that is occurring and part of what Nehemiah did is as they got to the city, he had the people gather together and he said, and he instructed the priests to read the first five books of the Old Testament so that the people were reminded of God's act in creating and of God's act in delivering from Egypt and of God's laws that he had instructed in order that they could be different so that they would be a blessing to all nations as God shared in Genesis 12 to Abraham that his descendants would be a blessing to all. And so as the people heard these words, this is where they wept for joy. And when Nehemiah told them, your joy is your strength. Because in all likelihood, in addition to them weeping by, by being reminded of what God had done for them, they were probably also weeping because they realized and recognized where they'd fallen short, hadn't they? But Nehemiah says, your joy is in your, the joy of the Lord is your strength. They were to celebrate. They were to encourage the pre, to enjoy the presence of God and, and the restoration of Jerusalem. And joy is how they were going to reestablish their relationship with God because God offered them joy just as God offers us joy. And so in Advent, what we recognize is the true source of happiness. And our true source of joy and our true fulfillment is in Jesus Christ. Because Christmas is the season of joy that the Messiah has come into the world and brought that joy to us. If you read in the New Testament book of, Peter, of one of Peter's letters, 1 Peter, he describes the joy brought by Christ so perfectly when he writes, Though you have not yet seen him, you love him, and even though you do not, now, do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. 
For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We can choose joy even in this Advent and Christmas season. And by returning to joy, we are returning to the source of our joy. Which is nothing that you can do in here. It's nothing that you and I can create. It's not an experience that you and I can can manufacture or prepare for or offer to others. But our source for joy is Jesus. And so for us to choose joy, we have to choose Him. We have to choose to return to Him, not just on the days that we need Him most. We have to return to Him to refuel our tank, to restore our strength, to renew our spirits, as we are constantly reconnecting and connecting with our Savior. In his letter to the church, the Apostle James wrote, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Right, so James is not saying that we are to be happy with our troubles, but what he is saying is that we can find joy in them when we're willing to look beyond what's right here and we're able to see the bigger picture beyond it and see how God is present, God is at work, and God can take and use whatever we are experiencing to accomplish his plan and his purpose for our lives and for us to experience joy. That doesn't mean in the short term that we're not upset or joyless or frustrated or any of the emotions that you and I might feel. But what James is saying is that if we keep our eyes focused on God, we are seeing the big picture of how God can take whatever is happening to us in this little place, in this little whatever it is, and He can help us to experience joy even as we're going through it. Friends, we can rediscover Christmas this Advent by finding joy, by focusing on joy, No matter what we are going through, we can look to the source of our joy who is Jesus. Our happiness doesn't come from the trees. It doesn't come from the lights. It doesn't come from the busyness. Our happiness comes in Christ who has changed our hearts and who has transformed our minds. And we can choose to refuel in Him, to restore our strength in Him, and to reconnect each day Because a Savior has been born, and His name is Jesus, and He will carry us through, and in that we can find joy.